Hi, welcome to Life Take Shape. I'm Denise Mullane. And I'm Trisha Beckham. Join us as we discuss what has shaped our lives so you can get your life in shape. In our last episode of this four-part series about our careers, we discussed the beginning of our disillusionment, how we found our way back to fulfillment, and ultimately the rediscovery phase we are in now. Part four of our career podcast series, and I thought what I'd do is start out talking about some disillusionment and discovery at the same time. So I think what I've experienced in my career and what you and I have talked about over the years is how there comes a point in time in your career where you start to feel a little bit disillusioned and you think, (laughs) gosh, I'm not enjoying my job as much, or maybe you're not feeling like you're really successful at your job or whatever it is. And so there, there becomes some disillusionment, but at the point that I'm going to be in is actually I had gotten my master's degree. And so now I have this graduate degree and I was living in California trying to find jobs and they were jobs that were much more communication focused. Cause that's what my master's was in. And so I was kind of starting to move away from advertising, uh, which I wanted to do, which was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because of my background in advertising, it was very difficult to do that. I didn't have any real life experience in communication. So even with a master's degree, that was a little bit tricky. And so after about three months of trying to find a job, and I really did need a job relatively quickly. (laughs) And that obviously takes me back right back to when I got out of college. Right. And we talked about, you got to find a job and how (laughs) instrumental that is to the job search process. That's how you pick the wrong jobs is being under that kind of pressure. So uh, unfortunately I had reached out to somebody at Mullen, which was the ad ad agency I'd worked at earlier in my career, kind of mid to late nineties. And so they said, Oh my gosh, one of the clients you used to work with, they are coming back. They have a new project and they've been gone and they would be thrilled if you would service their account again. So of course my ego said, they want you to do it. Yeah. Right. Perfect. You got to go. Yeah. So Wonder Woman runs over with her cape and uh, (laughs) as she's tripping over it through the door. So I, so I go back to Mullen and as I had said before, toxic, toxic environment, not a place where I'm at my best, probably a place I'm at my worst. But I think to myself, well, I've got a master's degree in communication. Now I can use all my newfound skills to make this a less toxic environment. Right. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And uh, quickly I discovered that even though I have new skills, the rest of the people had the same old communication skills. Now, that being said, The second time I came back, I can tell you that some of the same people were still there. And so it was great to see them and develop relationships with them. Some new people had come in and those new people made a really positive impact, but it's still being run by somebody who is tough. He's, he's Mm -hmm. tough to work for. He's very critical. He's not very encouraging. I mean, this is very much old school, like do what I tell you to do and do it now. There's no leadership it's more of a dictatorship. Directive. Yeah. Yeah. But at yeah. least you were o- older and wiser and now had, have had children and you maybe have yeah. a little bit different perspective on going into it. Your eyes are open. Yeah. 
Uh, agreed. So start working on the account. And I still have the same vice president of client services. Who's a, who's a wonderful guy. Steve was his name. And just, I enjoyed just what a nice guy was always positive and encouraging and fun to work with and always had a positive attitude. Delightful. But the CEO was not, mm. but it didn't really matter. Cause I worked again with the vice president of client services very closely and he was fine. So the client comes in and she was a challenge. She was a, a woman and she was probably maybe five or six years older than me. But again, just a really challenging person to work with. But for whatever reason, she liked me and we worked well together. So I was sitting in a meeting with her. She was being particularly difficult. And I think that after you have children and, and maybe this didn't happen for you, but this is what happened for me is you're sitting there and somebody's talking about the colors in a newspaper ad mm -hmm. and she was saying that her boss didn't like the colors and you know at some point in your life you realize there's things that are important and there's things yes. that aren't important anymore oh yes <clears throat> and as she's complaining about the colors <laughs> I just couldn't understand why we were spending 30 minutes talking about talking the about shade this. of blue yeah. and tan in this ad. And she said, well, he really wants these colors in the ads. It doesn't matter. And as an <laughs> advertising, I'm, I'm like, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to your client. What matters is this and this and this. And she just wasn't listening. And then she kind of started to attack me and started to attack the agency. Oh. And I got up. And I walked out of the office and I marched down to the president of the agency's office. And I said, I can't work with her. I'm not going to sit here and be insulted and be talked to like that. Right. And he said, that's not really your call. You're going to have to go back in there if you want to work here and put up with it. And at that point in my life, I had no desire to put up with that sort of thing. Right. Yes. Again, I was older, getting... wiser. You have more power, basically. You feel like you have more power and control of like, ah, this is what I'm going to deal with and what this is not what I'm going to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And it was at that moment that I thought, you know what? I'm desperate for a job, but I'm not this desperate. And I believe in my abilities. I believe that I've got more to offer. And this is not an environment, which I knew going into it. I, I really made a mistake in thinking that things would be different. But again, I've got two little kids that I have to support. Very little kids. I think my son was maybe three months old. And then I had a, like a three-year-old. So it was like, I got to get in there and make some money. Money, right. It's like, okay, I need the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was separated from my husband at the time. And it's, it was like time to hustle. Big time. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I was there about six months and somehow through the grapevine, somebody had said to me, hey, there is a really small agency in town looking for somebody. And I said, well, what do they need? Basically account service. And I said, I don't know. Account service is kind of wearing me out. Like I want more responsibility. I'm really looking for more of my career. And they said, well, I mean, the person will also have to go get the accounts. Like they don't have any really solid accounts. They're looking for somebody to grow the agency. And I was like, Ooh, that's intriguing. Yeah. Like I could be vice president of client services, even though there were no clients, that would still be my title. Right. And then yeah, I could be, <laughs> I could be in charge of client services when we actually got some clients. So anyways, um, I went on the interview and it was 
the, the owner had this long stringy hair he looked like he could be the lead man for an 80s rock band band. excuse me (laughs) let me take that back not rock yeah hair band but kind of like metal because he wasn't like done up but it's like metal long hair and I walk in and take one look at this guy and go oh good lord how (laughs) am I gonna sell this agency but here was the kicker he worked with a copywriter who kind of had his own business, but he was our assigned copywriter. And he was smart. The guy was smart. He had vision and he was trying to help this poor guy who was a great graphic designer, but had no idea like Like how to build the business he wanted. Now he was great at getting little companies to use his services and it was kind of small scale but he had these relational skills that were actually pretty impressive and you would look at him and say there's no way but he just did he was kind (laughs) he was gentle uh, had this emotional intelligence that I I, to this day he probably has more emotional intelligence than anybody I've ever worked Mm, with and it, it was so interesting and yet I'm like oh yeah I can do this. No problem. Problem. No I got problem. it. But anyway. Okay. Okay. So he hires me. I go over to Revolution and I have taken probably a $15,000 pay increase. Pay cut. Oh, you did, not a pay cut. You had a pay increase. Pay increase. Ooh. This is a single guy. There's no way his pockets are deep at all. And he says like, yeah, I'm going to pay you this much money. Oh and my I was, goodness. I was astounded, but I was like, look, that's, I, I need this to make, make life work. And if you want to, so I have no idea how he was paying me. <laughs> You're like, all I know is my, my checks were getting cash. <laughs> my checks were getting cash. Probably he wasn't paying himself, uh, okay, but we'll have it. to have him on later. And so anyways, I was, so I was there, we put together these, these awesome, like direct mail pieces. Cause at that day and age, that's what we were still doing. And it went out. We identified a bunch of people. We would brainstorm the three of us. And I think there was another designer, too, who worked in Texas, but he would fly in sometimes. And so the four of us are kind of just hustling, trying to figure out, like, okay, who are we? How are we going to bring this agency? Who do we want to go after? And so we we send out these packages. And then I make contact with a company called Snapware in Southern California. And this is like Tupperware. That's what it is. But it's I totally remember this new Tupperware, better and greater. And, but my connection was with their director of marketing. And for whatever reason, I got her on the phone, which was very difficult to do because there's so many gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And she and I started talking and we just hit it off. And her name was Heidi. She was about my same age. And we just kind of were like the same. And she said, I just really love this piece. Like you guys are the type of agency we could really work with. And we have never worked with an agency, but we could really use one. And so we start working with them. And this is a million dollar account. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how it came to be other than the fact that something I said or something that they needed, everything aligned. And here we are working for this. And yeah. Um, so the owner, I'm sorry. So the guy who hired me, his name's Skiz is his name. Why? I don't know. His first name's Robert, but he goes by Skiz. And it used to drive me crazy, but that's who he is. He's like a creative type. So he had partnered with somebody earlier in his career. And so he got this huge account called Western Wireless. So I'm working Snapware. He's working Western Wireless. They're crossing over and we are so slammed busy 
we can't, I mean, we're working all the time, all the time. We're constantly working and we have a four person agency and all of us are hustling and we're getting really stretched thin, but we're pulling it off and the money's coming in huge. At the same time, the owner was networking, right? Cause we were both, we were both like kind out there. of going. Right. That must've been like exhilarating too, at the same time to be like, this, and we're just cranking. We were, we were cranking and it, it was just the two of us in the office most of the time, just the two of us. Mm. Anyway, so we were like, this is crazy. So one day, I don't know what happened, but I just, I just was having a bad day. Skiz and I got into a little bit of a, of an argument. We both kind of had some different ideas about something. And all of a sudden me and my, you know, hot temper, I said, and by the way, it is extremely difficult to sell an agency when you look like the lead singer <laughs> of a metal band. Oh my gosh, Trisha. And I walked out of his office. Oh my goodness. And you're thinking, really? Do you have a communication degree? Because <laughs> it, it's apparent that maybe you didn't learn something. <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't know what happened. We did oh, not boy. we did not speak for the rest of the day. I ended up going home. It was one of those very, you know, it was like everybody needs to take a break. Yep. Actually, I think just me needed to take a break. Take a break. You need a time out. <laughs> you need a time out. So the next day we had a, we had a breakfast meeting in town and I think it was me, the copywriter and skits and I show up and I'm just kind of in a mood like, Oh, I got to apologize. Mm-hmm. And God, I'm, you know, I'm such a spaz and <laughs> can't believe I said that. Can't believe I said that. And I show up and I look over and I see the copywriter, but he's standing next to somebody who I'm not, I'm not sure who is he standing with. And as I get closer, I realize it's the owner of the agency and he has shaved his head (laughs) and he is wearing a baseball cap and he sits down at the table and he takes off his hat. Oh my goodness. And now I feel, (laughs) I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Like I have now changed this man's identity. (laughs) In a Sometimes really... people need to hear it. I don't know. Maybe that was... It felt like it was a really destructive, disconfirming way to kind of go about it. But, you know, um, I guess I was glad. Because like you said, it just... And at that point, that's really... And, and he would probably disagree. I'm curious what he would say. But I think at that point, everything kind of really started moving and shaking in a way that was pretty crazy. Like, there's no way that that was the catalyst, but for whatever reason. The reason it, you felt like it it was. <laughs> like, it, it was going, but then it just really, really. Like, I, I could bring him to meetings, and now he was flying out to California with me because the owner of Snapware had a bald head. And so we were just a collection of bald-headed guys <laughs> and young guys <laughs> working well. It was this. It was this great dynamic. Uh, I love that. Oh yeah. my goodness! I so love anyways, that. Yeah. So so we're working. I am flying out to California probably twice a week, and you're talking about getting to the airport at five a.m. You're on the plane at five thirty a.m. We would fly down there. Oftentimes, we were at photo shoots for all day, and we would get back on the plane at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night come home, you know, I'd fall into bed. Again, I have two very small children at this point. They were probably two and almost five. And well, I was going to bring that up and say like, well, what, what was happening in the personal side a little bit? Like what was going on with the kids and like, 
yeah, I've been taking care of them mostly. Like, yes. How so, are you dealing with that? Yeah. Separating from them when you went on these trips and things. I, I don't remember, but I'm sure it was all of those things. And that's, mm. what's, that's what's so sad is here you have little kids and I'm not sure that I remember, but remember, that's what I was going to say. It's interesting. You say that, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the things that you always keep in the back of your mind is what have I lost because of what I wanted to gain. But anyways, yeah, I think uh, my marriage had kind of come back together in some semblance of a, Hey, let's work this out. And what do you need from me? And what do I need from you? And so, yeah, he, I think at that point they were probably in daycare because my husband had to finish his degree. And so he could have been at school at ASU trying to finish his degree. I'm not quite sure, but I was not largely in charge of of their care and I was missing out on some, some big moments with them. And so like my husband was taking them to the library and then he'd go to class, but then I feel like he had a job of some sort. So he would drop them off at daycare. And then if you've ever had your kids in daycare, what starts happening, they get sick because they pick up the other germs and now you can't go to work because they're sick. And well, I can't miss work. And well, you can't miss work. And who's going to miss work today? Well, it wasn't me. I'm telling you right now. Right. And then you're going to work and your kids are sick. And where do you want to be home with your sick kid? Because you feel like that's where you should be. Uh, So at that point, you know, you start to go, man, this is a hustle. But my husband was kind of picking up all my, my slack. slack. Yeah. But then I'm traveling. So I'm not eating great and I'm gaining weight and the stress of the situation starts to make me sick for whatever reason. And so I'm having uh, extreme muscle pain. I'm having weakness. I'm having all of these kind of like, you know, heart palpitations and I'm just feeling terrible all the time. So I start going to the doctor and they're like, we don't know what's happening. And so I, I ended up at the hospital again. They're like, we don't know what's happening, but we can't release you because we really have to find this out. And they're running test after test after test. And I remember saying the only way I'm going to get better is if you let me out of here. And so I talked them into to letting me go. And I'm going to basically refuse treatment. I don't know that I talked them into it. I said, you're not treating me, me for anything. And, yeah. And I left and I started to go to a nutritionist and I started to just kind of go more naturopathic, like started to work out again, started to eat healthy, started to take more vitamins and supplements and uh, also found out that I had a low thyroid. And that was really the cause of most of this. But nobody looked at it. Nobody figured this out. And years later, when I came to go, they just totally missed this. I was really mad and angry. Yeah, that that the, the medical professionals I was seeing didn't do a better job. But anyways, that was kind of a wake-up call for me, that I wasn't managing stress well. I didn't know how to manage stress. Yeah. And the success that I was having was great, but I couldn't have my health take a dive like that. Like, I, I couldn't cost myself my health. Right. By doing, by doing all these great things for your career – but at what cost almost. Yeah. It just, it it just can't happen. And so I think slowly, but surely I started to realize, and by this point we had like bought a building and we had moved in. And then I think he had even, he started even looking at this really cool loft downtown that we could now afford. And I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, I got to get out. Mm. This is great, but I got to get out. And I was still teaching part-time because I I loved to teach, but it just couldn't sustain me. So 
at some point I, I had to make that hard decision. And before I left, I had hired somebody to take my place. And then I also hired a second person to come in and do. So I hired two people to take over one person to service the account and then one person to do the new business and find new accounts. I felt really good about that. And then I left and just started teaching, but I would pop in and help from time to time. But then I really started teaching at a campus closer to my house. And that's when I really cut ties and they did really well for a small period of time, but the new business director that I hired did not work out. He and Skiz didn't end up working well together. So that kind of fell apart, but then they still had some good accounts. And then one of the accounts got bought out by AT&T, the Western Wireless. And so then that went away and then problems started to brew with Snapware and away that went. And Hmm. I don't think I knew that it was happening. Skiz didn't tell me that it was happening because I wasn't an employee there anymore. Yeah, right. Right. And I remember before this fell apart, he invited me down to the loft and I walked around the loft and he said, this is because of you. Um, And I thought, wow, this is really cool space. And then amazing. It was until he lost that space because he couldn't pay for it anymore. And I remember thinking that is also because of me. Hmm. And that was a really, really hard thing because the last person that I wanted to see fail was Skiz. And the last person that I wanted to, to harm in my pursuit for balance in my life was him. But, you know, this is my family. This is my life. This is my health. And I I have to make this decision. And it was so hard and it was gut-wrenching to watch kind of his success turn to not success. But he he was a, a very, very smart person and he was able to make some really quick decisions and and we still had that building. So he went back to the building, let the loft go. And he, you know, he's a hustler and now he's just doing like life changing kind of uh things where he's he like takes groups of people rock climbing and he takes oh. people on these adventures and he has an Instagram page and he whatever and then he does some photography stuff and he really kind of went some different directions, directions. and yeah. he is living his best life and he's probably only 55 years old and so i think that he's really scaled down like all of the things that they had they sold and now they just live him and his family live in a really small like condo but they travel all over the place and he was always that kind of person before but i feel like he had also had this catalyst where he had to change things. Yes. Came to that way. Even though he went through some, some, some tough times. Crazy times. Right. Yeah. Right. But so, it had to feel so personally like wonderful for you to have had that experience and, you know, success there, but also then realizing like, well, Hey, this, this whole other part of my life, like is not in balance. And so what am I going to do about this? And how am I going to go about making change so that it, so that it does come back into balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it can sometimes take years, years. for people uh-huh. to balance, to find mm-hmm. that balance and, and what works. So oh, anyways, definitely. It's, it's very difficult. But I think there's always that, you know, I when I was, even now mm-hmm. when I teach part-time and when I left advertising permanently 
and went to teaching part-time every couple of years, Skiz and I would reconnect and be like, Hey, should we start it again? And it was like, mm. we'd almost start it. And then something would happen. I'd be Happened. like, I, I don't want to go back to that. And I don't think he did either, but we couldn't be honest with each other. Each and other. so we'd say, yeah. yeah, let's do it again. And then we wouldn't do it again. There just wouldn't be any follow through. So it was kind of an interesting thing that, you know, you do go through this fulfillment phase, but then when you get disillusioned, you start to rethink, but then you enter this, this discovery phase of, okay, what's, what do I need in my life? What am I looking for out of my career? What are the components that I need to be fulfilled? And, and teaching does that for me, except for I don't get paid well. Right. And <laughs> it, it's there's not, always bills. There's bills to be paid. There's always Thanks. bills. And, and the hard part is it's not that I don't get paid well because I'm a teacher. Because remember, I teach at a community mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. So as a part-time adjunct professor, I make ten dollars to $15,000 a year. The same person doing my job at a full-time capacity is making $80,000 a year. I did not realize that. Okay. So that's where you get really disillusioned because mm-hmm. you're like, hold on a second. We're doing the same job. And because I'm teaching four classes and she's teaching five classes, I'm making $15,000 a year, and she's making $80,000 a year with benefits. Right. Like, how does that add up? I don't know. That doesn't add up to me, right? It does not add up. No. And the part-time adjunct professors at the community college are 80% of the workforce. Mm-hmm. So there's always a couple years will go by and I'll say, you know what I should do with something else? I'll do teaching part-time, but I'll do this. So I got my real estate license time. I make a couple of deals and I get to continue to teach. And so right. all of my other jobs now are just so I can teach and make no money, but feel like I'm making a difference in the world. Yeah. But I think like, like we were saying earlier, it's kind of like, um, which I think you need in a real estate agent. That's just my humble opinion. Um, but I, I, I feel like you just, at a certain point you, you were taking care of your family is really what it, what it comes down to. I, yeah. I don't know. Right. I, I think that's where I get a lot of my worth now where mm-hmm. I did it early on. Right. I get a lot of the meaning of my yeah. life and I think you just, there is nobody else, right. Going back mm-hmm. to what my boss said at Bulldog Drummond, there is nobody else to be their mom. Whereas there's mm-hmm. lots of other people that can do my job for me. Right. Yeah. You, you yeah. For a second think so highly of yourself that nobody could come in and do your job better than you can. And if you don't come to that realization, I got to ask you to do some really self uh, discovery there because you're not being realistic. You're not that great. Right. But, but no, (laughs) nobody can be the mom that you can to your kids, even if you're crappy at it because you're still their mom. You kind of do what you have to do to get, buy to pay the bills to support your family you hustle you you make some hard decisions and you sacrifice some things because you think overall it's gonna be the better decision I guess yeah um but you also find out some things about yourself like you said like if you feel like you're not no no no, I was gonna say but it's still hard because you're constantly in the back of your mind there's always a, a voice, at least for me, there's a voice that's saying the same. It's like on a loop. Like, I want to do this. I want to be successful at this. I want to be able to make money, but yet I want to be home for my son and I want to be there for my family. And so that you're, you're, I think we're always in motion. There's always yeah. a cycle. 
of it. What? Absolutely. I think that's, that's such a perfect summation of what goes on in my head every day, even now. And you're like, I'm in my late forties. Like yeah. I should be looking towards retirement and like getting all my ducks in a row. Cause I only want to work for like another 10 years, which is totally unrealistic, but, um, you know, and, and so this is the, the last little vignette that I want to offer. I was teaching part-time and I go to a happy hour with some friends and somebody says to me, Hey, aren't you in marketing? And I said, no, I, I used to be in marketing and I get this all the time. I said, I used to, now I just teach. And they said, but, but do you know how to write? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I have a master's in communication and I, and I teach and yeah, I, I can write. And they said, um, oh, well, they're looking for writers at, at my, at my company. And I said, well, what kind of writer? And they said, a technical writer. I go, yeah, I'm, I'm not a technical writer. She goes, well, you could be a technical writer. I said, I mean, I, yeah, I guess. And she goes, well, you should apply. <laughs> and I go, well, and everybody at the table's like, yeah, 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 you should do that. They don't pay you well, do it, do it. And I was like, really? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I go home and my ego's like, oh, you know, you yeah. want this job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I hate my ego. I wish it would just uh, shut up. Yep. And so the company's Boeing. Well, who doesn't feel like a big deal working at Boeing? And this oh, was before yeah. their, their disastrous air crash, uh, the Air Ethiopia, and they crashed another plane. But anyways, not their fault. That's, yeah. what, the, that's what the jury said. So anyways, uh, I apply for this job. I get this job. People, I am not a technical writer. I have no technical <laughs> writing skills. Don't know what I'm doing. I'm on Google. Like, what is a technical writer? I'm Googling, what does a technical writer resume look like? And here I go off and I apply apply for this job and they hire me and I the interview was a joke like they're like do you really what kind of technical writing have you done I'm like none none <laughs> you're hired <laughs> and do you think you could learn how to do technical writing I go sure I can learn sure. anything yep and then they said do you think you could help our department be more utilized by the rest of Boeing and I said oh that I can do you want me to market you to other mm-hmm. parts of Boeing so they know we're here? Yes. Yes. I'm your girl for that. But I don't think you should ask me to write anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I left. I left thinking I had kind of talked them out of hiring yeah. me. And that right. was okay. That was okay. Because really, I can't do this job. And uh, then my oldest son broke his hip significantly. It was a terrible thing. Breaks his hip and he's in the hospital and it is, this is bad news. Things aren't going well. He has to have surgery. And I get a phone call and this woman says, hi, I'm Alicia with Chipton Ross and just calling because you've been hired by Boeing and we need you to call us back. <laughs> and uh, you're like, excuse Wait, what? <laughs> I, I called her back and I said, yeah, I'm so sorry. My son has broken his hip and I can't, I can't take whatever position it is you're offering me. And I was so sleep deprived because we'd been in the hospital for quite some time. And I'm thinking, what is this? Did I apply for a job? I don't remember mm-hmm. applying for, wait, is this, is this a technical writing job? <laughs> so my husband comes in, I go, yeah, it's so weird. I just got a call. He goes, I think that's the Boeing thing. And I said, yeah, he goes, well, call him back. And I said, no, I cannot take a new job. He goes, but it might be good money. And I thought, well, guy, I didn't even ask. And he goes, well, just call back and find out. <laughs> and sure enough, it was something like $50 an hour. 
And I, I made the mistake of telling my husband, he goes, you got to dig it. <laughs> I never talk about that. <laughs> never talk. So I went, I got the job. I was there again. It, it's so embarrassing. How long was I there? A year? I was going to say, not very long. No, I wasn't there a year. I was there maybe nine months, 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, had great success there. I do not know why I got put on a project where the people again were like, you're so good at this. And I wasn't really writing. I was more project managing, but doing a little bit of writing, but it was actually pretty easy to stuff to do. And um, anyways, we had a great leader. There was a great management team. And and again, I'm just so grateful for all those people, wonderful people. Uh, But I was still teaching. I was still doing real estate and I was doing this technical writing and My son was rehabbing. I wasn't home. It was more stress than I could handle. And again, health issues started to crop up. And so that was the point where I was like, you know what? I got to stop doing this to myself. You got to pick a team. And I'm on team at home more, at work less. And that was it. That was, and so now I've been teaching and and I'm so grateful for my teaching job and I have no money and I'm very poor. (laughs) But I'm very fulfilled and I'm home when I need to be home and I'm not missing things anymore. So, well, I want you to talk a little bit about, I mean, just going back to the Boeing job for a minute, because it wasn't highly creative either. Right. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Right. So while the money was good. Yep. The purpose of the job for you really wasn't there. Yeah. So you and I, and, and I just, we were kind of talking about this earlier. And so I'll mention it now because then kind of dovetails nicely into what direction you're going to go with your story. But yeah, yeah. There's something I read years ago and it's the equation for meaningful work in our lives. And so there's four components. One is complexity. The work has to be complex to challenge you. Number two is there's some autonomy. You you kind of get left alone. You know what I mean? You can do your own thing. You're in control of what Mm -hmm. happens on a daily basis. So that's number two autonomy. And then number three a relationship between effort and reward. So the effort I'm putting in, the pay or the reward, and maybe it's not pay, it's your personal satisfaction. The reward you get, it's the same, right? I'm putting this in, I'm getting rewarded in the same way. Right. And then last but not least, you're doing creative work. And not all people put all four of those components at the same level. Some people don't need creativity, but I do. And so here I have... The, the work was challenging. It was, it was complex because I didn't really know what it was. I did have a lot of autonomy. They kind of gave you a project and left you alone. The, the reward and effort was balanced because I was being paid very well. Even probably the reward was too high for what I was doing, but who cares? <laughs> but there was no creativity. And I, th- that's where that job fell apart for me. I just, I was working with were all introverts they did not like talking. They wanted you to leave and, and leave them alone. There was a couple people that weren't so introverted, but it was just a place that I couldn't, and highly professional, very driven by, by corporate rules. Like you could not talk on your cell phone and walk. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like you could get fired for talking on your cell phone and walking. And I was like, look, I used to work in advertising where sometimes, you know, things got nutty. There were margaritas in the back room at 4.30 on a Tuesday. And yeah, so it was this highly, again, corporate, military, government. I I just, I couldn't do it. 
So yeah. it just didn't, it didn't fit well with me. But again, your ego's like, but you can do it. And they like you and you're great. And right. And I'm getting a good paycheck. So getting a good paycheck. And it's just, it's never worth it. No. The, go- the golden handcuffs are always, always still handcuffs. No. Yes, they're gold. Love that. But they've, love got that. You, they've got you handcuffed. And is that how you want to live your life? And not all jobs that are high paying make you feel like you're in handcuffs. No. Correct. But. In this particular situation, it was just not all those things aligned and something was out of balance to that yeah. and needed to change. So, right. Yeah. I get so, it. I get anyways, it. so that's it. And that is why I teach and I'm poor and, you yeah. know, I try to hustle every once in a while and try to get real estate clients, which is not a good model for uh, self-promotion, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you're teaching and shaping young minds. I do. That too. part I, I love, love it. about you. <laughs> Agreed. I love it too. It just fulfills every part of me except for uh, my financial situation. <laughs> Get it. Anyways. I understand. We, well, I think I want to um, sort of get into my discovery story of how I was trying to achieve balance by picking up a little bit on the last episode in terms of where I was in my career after, you know, life sort of got back to normal in terms of business in the city, um, ramping back up again after nine 11. Um, and just getting back into that space where it's just like work, 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 you know, things were just kind of skyrocketing after that in terms of how busy my office was becoming. Um, my my former owner of my company uh, was re- going into retirement and he sold out the business um, to a younger person who was the partner for a little while. And then he eventually, this younger person took over, which was great. It was leading our company in a new direction. It, yeah. it needed to sort of get some more youth into some of the employees and things like that. Some people retired, some people left. You know, there was some attrition there sure. when, when the transition happened. Um, we actually moved our office to a new space. We were more young and fresh and hip and everything that, that basically needed to happen so that our business would grow. All those things did happen. It was great. It was just a lot, I think, at one time. And I'm not a business owner. So, I mean, maybe the perspective of a business owner is like, no, that wasn't a lot at one time. It's just that's how it needed to happen, which, again, is fine. My perspective is different than others. Um, but I was actually... Uh, part of the team that did the transition from our office from the old space to the new space which I felt a tremendous amount of pressure to be under Um, I worked with some great people in my office to do that it wasn't all me it wasn't all on my shoulders but you know it's like the shoemaker shoes you're kind of like but I'm still working for the clients that I have to work for but at the same time we're transitioning our office and we have to make it spectacular because this is what we do for a living we need to put our best face forward and show you know all the breadth of furniture products that we can. And so I just felt a tremendous amount of pressure and responsibility to make it perfect type A person, um, which I think a lot of people in my industry are that way anyway. Um, But after going through that, it was just, that was a lot, just that one project alone, but also still trying to balance clients needs and wants at the same time. Oh yeah. Um, So I think for me at that point is when I started to feel like I don't know if this is really what I want to do or how can I keep 
doing this under this amount of pressure. And, and a lot of it probably was just pressure that I put on myself. Plus, my son was little, um, I was trying to have the same thing, the sort of home work balance. Um, at this time, we also, I was able to start doing teleworking, which was great. I thought it was like the be all end all yeah. to everything. I was so grateful to be able to do that. And I still am grateful to this day to have had the opportunity to work from home, be there when my son got home from school or be there in the morning to take him to school and, and all of that stuff. But yeah. it became, I think at a certain point, I realized that the bleeding of life and work, there was no downtime. Yeah. Sure. You're always, you're just like, oh, okay, now you're here and I'm still working for a couple hours and, but my son needed attention or my husband needed something or whatever it was, I just started to not be able to separate the two because I didn't have that commute time home in the car or the commute time to work. Like it just was all encompassing. Plus, you know, with technology being what it was and I'm sounding like an old fogey, but it's like with my smartphone, you know, you're <laughs> constantly, constantly on your, at least for my job. My yeah. job is very email document driven, like document everything and cover your butt basically for everything. Yeah. So I was always, always, always emailing at all hours. And I understand that people need answers to things. I understand that people want information or, but at a certain point I was like, this is, this is furniture. This is not, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not on call. And I am in no way saying that furniture equals being a doctor. I'm just saying in my own head, like I'm not that important. (laughs) Yeah. See, and this was the same realization I was saying that we both came to the point where we're like, we're not that important. We don't want to be this important. No, but when you're working and I don't know if it's just, I'm sure it's, this is the way it is in a lot of industries because this is just the way of the world right now. And maybe, maybe I needed to be born in 1950. Maybe I'm just born in the wrong error, wrong error. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not error, but era. Era. Uh, Yes. Era. That. I just, it's this giant machine. It just keeps going and going and going and going. And so at a certain point, I started questioning, like, what is this? What is, why? Why is it this? But yet I still have a responsibility to my boss and to my clients to get the job done in the best way that I can. And now I've been at my company for so long, and I think I have a good reputation. So the idea that I could just be like, well, I'm not going to answer that email or I can't go that extra mile or I'm not going to take that phone call or I just, I was afraid that I would ruin my reputation if I screwed something up or if I messed up or if I made a mistake. I was so, I started to become so afraid of making mistakes that I think I got to the point where I was just like almost frozen sometimes. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Because now I'm like, I've built, I've built my career. I'm at a certain place. And again, I'm not saying I'm a doctor or I'm, you know, not making blockbuster movies. So this is not changing the world, my job. But for me in my own space, I was like, I can't let this fail because then that means I've failed. And then that looks, reflects badly on me. And all that I've worked so hard for up until this point will just come crumbling down if I make one error. 
And that became a too much pressure for me. And then also that I just wasn't being present at home, even though I was physically here because I was working from home a lot. Um, I, I just, I was like, Oh, I'm physically here, but mentally I was not here for my husband, for my son. And it started to take a toll on those relationships. And the fact that most of my friendships and relationships were work related. I started to realize that I did not have a lot of friends outside of work. I had a couple of friends, but I didn't have those social relationships with the people where I live Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) in my neighborhood. (laughs) Like, I was missing that part of the equation because I was spending so much time doing other things. And that's my own fault for not setting boundaries, which I should have done a long time ago. So I think that was a big discovery phase for me. And in in this time, like after our, our office moved and that project was completed and, you know, moved on to other clients and, you know, like I was still on the machine, still working, but my husband and I decided to move. Decided to sell our house and move to a different town on Long Island. And I made the commitment to myself that when we moved, I was going to put myself out there in terms of making friends in a new town. Like I was like tired of hearing myself say that I don't have a lot of friends outside of work. I don't really do anything social except care for my son, which is fine, which is great. I'm, you know, I'm there for him, but I'm going to put myself out there. I'm not going to be afraid or intimidated I'm just going to be like, I'm going to meet people and that's what's going to become more important to me and what I'm going to focus a lot of attention on rather than always being on my phone or always making sure that, uh, you know, every single T was crossed and I was dotted for work. And I think that sort of timing, and we moved in the end of 2015, was a very stressful, stressful time. And, you know, my son was starting a new elementary school. And so I was stressed about that. And, you know, I think moving just in general, buying and selling a house, puts a lot of strain and stress on your marriage. Oh, yeah. So you kind of go, well, I know I still need a paycheck and I need, but is it the stress in both personal and work life is, is starting to take a toll, like you said, like almost on your physical being as well. Yeah. So I knew something had to change and I just didn't know how to change it. I didn't know how to make a change. So after we moved and I did start meeting, I did put myself out there. I started meeting people. I've made some really, really great friends since we've moved to this town. I'm so grateful for them and their support and just, you know, changing my whole mindset about not just about not being shy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I can say that since I've known you for so long, I can tell you when you moved there and you started developing these friendships, the changes in the positivity in your life, the changes in your outlook, the changes in how you talked about your life and your, what was going on. I mean, you almost became a different person, not in a, not in a bad way, but in this amazing way where all of a sudden it's like, the life that you were living became so much more amazing to you. And you're thinking, how could that be possible? But it was a noticeable change. And the longer you've lived there and you've made other changes, it's, 
I mean, it really has changed your overall outlook, your overall attitude, uh, the overall kind of happiness I think that you experience on a daily basis has dramatically increased. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have never seen such a positive change in you. I mean, I have like when you first moved back to New York, like that was a positive time in your life where it took you a while, but you ended up getting there. And so, you know, you go through these times where you see these changes and I've really noticed that in you. So, oh, well, thank you for saying that. And that, no, I, I do. I agree with what you're saying a hundred percent. But even though I, that part of my personal life was still, was, you know, starting out and, and blossoming, I guess you could say, though that sounds cheesy, but work-wise I was starting to work way more from home by choice and my office was letting me they were like that's fine you know as long as you're getting your work done and the projects are happening and the clients are not complaining and if you do have a meeting you're coming to the city and doing what you need to do in the city which I was I was doing all of that but as much as I thought the working from home you know five days a week was a really good thing because I could be home and then at five o'clock I could try to stop and go and be social I realized that being home alone with no coworkers around. <laughs> yeah. You really start to realize you need those interpersonal relationships in the office. And so I did not realize any of this. Believe me, I only have just come to this realization since I left my job last summer. Yeah. Is I thought everything was great. I really thought that working from home was amazing. And I still do think working from home is a good thing. It's just you have to have a balance of it. Yeah. And I didn't have that balance, but something kept me from saying, I'm going to go to the office. I'm going to go to, I'm not going to, I just can't do it. Like I couldn't get on the train. I just, and that should have triggered me to say, I think I should stop working here. Yeah. Like I couldn't see that while it was going on. I could see yeah. it now. But that should have been a red flag for me. Why don't I want to go there? And so were you, were you feeling like, what was keeping you from leaving? Was it the money? Was it my identity um, is my, because a lot of it is, yes. I, I am this. My identity is yes. my job. Who am yes. I without this job? Correct. At, at all of that. It, you know, the money was still decent, was still good. Um, you know, the, the, it was a lot of I, the identity part. Um, I think I just, I don't know. I almost felt like I was letting myself down or I'm trying to think of the right word, but like if I left, I failed because I'd been there for so long, but it's like, just because you've been there for so long or done something a certain way for so long, doesn't mean it shouldn't change. Yeah. So I almost felt like if I, it's almost like giving up, but I'm like, what am I? There's not, there's no giving up. What are you talking about? Denise? Like if you're not giving up on anything, you've, done a tremendous amount yeah I'm not you've tooting my succeeded. own horn you've in succeeded. my own right I'm not tuning my own horn to say oh people look at me this is what I've done it was more of my own thought about success yeah it wasn't because I needed other people to say I was a success it was because I wasn't feeling I was a success myself so that was a huge part of the realization like you're all messed up in your head. You're thinking about it the wrong way. <laughs> you need to be thinking about this in another way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and this might be like a harsh thing to say, but it took a global pandemic. 
So many people say this all the time. It is a global pandemic. That should be like the phrase that everybody has to complete in a job interview from now on, or Miss America has to say, complete this sentence for me. It took a global global pandemic pandemic to to fill in the blank. Blank, exactly. (laughs) For me to basically say to myself, this is not what I want to do anymore. This is great. I'm grateful for every single thing that I've learned at this company, the people I've met at this company, the clients I've worked for at this company, things I've accomplished here. But what is the next, you know, chapter for me, which I, obviously we're still figuring out, which is why we're sort of talking about all this stuff. But yeah, just to say I, I'm out, I'm tapping out, I'm burnt out, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on a lot of this stuff. Um, so I think I just need to, I need to change something in my life. And, and, and the pandemic sort of gave me a little bit more freedom to say, I'm good. I'm good now. And I don't, I don't necessarily feel like a failure, but I did, you know, while you and I were talking about doing this podcast, um, and we've been talking about the episodes and things that we're going to discuss. I happened to come across this article um, in the Harvard Business Review uh, that was written by Monica Valcourt back in January of 2018. Yeah. And the title of this article says, when burnout is a sign that you should leave your job. And I was like, oh, you know, Ooh, I've read. <laughs> good. Yeah. That's my I, thing. I can't even like, and I have read articles in the last six, eight months, you know, about burnout and what burnout is to different people and what it means or to that person who's writing the article. And this particular article, just every single thing about it was like hit the nail on the head for me. And I didn't realize it while I was going through all of it and and feeling burnt out um, over the last, I would say probably the last five years is when I really started feeling the burnout and I just didn't stop to recognize all of the factors for it. Um, So when I read this article, it actually gave me the chills. So I want to just quote a a little bit of it. And it starts out, uh, Monica Val, uh, Monique, I should say, I apologize, Monique Valcor. She writes, you have the right to have work that enriches and enlivens you rather than diminishing you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this article just hooked me right there with that very first line of the article. And then she goes on to say, Yet it's surprisingly controversial. Managers and employees and organizations around the world have bought into the assumption that pay and other contracted rewards are all that you can expect to receive from work and all that you owe your employees and that it's unrealistic to hope for less tangible benefits like trust, respect, autonomy, civility, and the opportunity to make a positive impact on others. This impoverished view of work plays out in workplace attitudes and behaviors that burn employees out. It also traps, that was the key word for me in this line, it traps people in jobs that harm their well-being and sense of self. Wow. And I never thought of, like, I was trapped. Yeah. But that just, I was like, oh my gosh, this article was super, super powerful. So I would recommend that if you can find this article, again, it's in the Harvard Business Review and it was published on January 25th, 2018 by Monique Valcour. You should read it. If you're in that phase of 
your job where you're thinking you might be burnt out, or you're thinking that you might need a transition into something else in your life. This whole article just really resonated with me. And I, I wish I would have seen this article when it first came out. Right. Because <laughs> I feel like it would have spoken to me at that time as well. Like, yeah. you know what? Dummy, wake up. These are the things that are you're feeling, but you don't know how to articulate because I don't have a communications degree like my best friend. <laughs> so sometimes I can't tap into those things. But when I see it in somebody who's written something really well, I can identify with it. So yeah. And Monique, just so you know, she is a management professor. So I don't know where, but she is. She's Ooh. a management professor. So that's why the article's so good because she's a Ugh. professor just like me. I'm sure she's better at me. She's also a keynote speaker, which I am not. I would love to be, but she really did tap into and you had kind of told me about the article. And so I started reading it and I thought it was really cool. And one of the things I thought was, was so fascinating is, you know, they give you these questions at the end. And one of the questions is how well does your job employer align with your values and interests? And I, you know, at, when I left Mullen the second time, that's what it was. They didn't align with my values and my interests. And also the future that I saw in that organization wasn't, wasn't great. And mm -hmm. then when I was at Revolution, the last question she poses burnout costing you help right right and missing out on moments with my kids you said I was there in the morning when he went to school and there when he came home and if you're not home during those two times of the day you are missing out in huge ways that right. I can yeah. never even explain to you yeah without a doubt but I would love to pick pick Monique's brain. So maybe should we, to, we should like, call her and her say, and come on our podcast. <laughs> podcast and talk about careers and profession, all different types of professions and give yeah. us, give us some insight, please. But yeah, she, yeah. It, a really good article. Really Certainly she must have feel, felt, 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 Oh no, felt burned sometimes to articulate some of this stuff. But anyway, yeah. so, so let me ask you this question. How have you found purpose without your career? Who are you now? Do you feel lost? Do you feel afloat? How has this been for you? What, what's been meaningful for you? What feels good? What are you wanting? Well, I feel, I did feel lost. I mean, the day that I left my job, it's kind of a funny story. The day before I left my job, unfortunately, there was like this big storm in Long Island. It was literally the day before my last day. And I, you know, I was preparing final emails and just information for people to give like, you know, here's the transition and here's who you need to contact for all different projects and so forth and so on. And so on the, the day before I was my last day, the storm happened and we lost power. Oh, I lost like all different locations on Long Island lost power. Uh, my house, my neighborhood, we lost power. And I was like, I can't, I can't even believe we, we lost power. I can't work on my last day yeah. of work of a place that I've been at for 23 years. I had no cell service. Wow. We had no, it, nothing. I couldn't say goodbye to people. <laughs> this is crazy. It, it was, it was Oh, like, I know it had nothing to do with me, obviously, but it was like a divine intervention. Yeah, <laughs> like, it sounds like it to me. What else like, are you going to call that? 
Like, I can't even believe this is happening right now. I mean, thank God nobody in, in my neighborhood was hurt. Like, you know, the bigger yeah. picture was that, right? Sure. But then I even tried to go to my husband's office to get on the internet, which his office is another town over. Yeah. He had no power. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> you, you can't leave. You can't leave. Too bad. But you're right. like, come yeah. Hell or high water? High water. I, yeah, I'm come leaving. hell or high water, I am leaving. So, and then at that time, I had finally, I had always had a work phone. I'd never had a work and personal phone. So this. when I, I knew this. I was going to leave, I was like, well, I have to get a personal phone now because obviously whatever. So I have two phones. My personal phone somehow, because it was on a different carrier, a different cell carrier, I had service. My work phone had no service. So again, I have, I can't. So I'm texting my, my immediate boss on my personal phone I'm like listen I know you know I have a personal phone now but I don't have whatever explaining the whole thing she's like it's fine don't worry about it I'm like yeah. okay fine so on the way back from my husband's office you know because we're trying to go there so I can work and send out my final emails and say some goodbye emails to people that I've worked with for a really long time and that I'll miss them and so forth and so on so I'm getting out of the car in my driveway I have both phones in my hand and somehow my work phone falls out of my hand now this is the <gasps> same phone no. I was issued like this is the same iPhone I've had for I can't even tell you how how long I've had that same iPhone Crazy. or an iPhone in general for work right yeah yeah I mean yeah. I dropped it here and there but it's never no, no problem I literally dropped it it's like slow motion the phone's falling out of my hand it drops in my driveway the screen shatters this is craziness no I'm not even kidding <laughs> it's never happened to me like even telling you this right now I have goosebumps because that is never I've never shattered a phone broken a phone even never right the phone screen shatters I was like no. well I guess that's it then <laughs> I was like ah, I'm done yeah. I guess I'm, I'm just this is done I was even embarrassed to tell my HR guy once so I finally got dramatic. power back like it was so dramatic you are that I've leaving. never <laughs> broken a piece of equipment for work I felt so guilty even if it was my last day I felt horrible like, I'm so right. heaven heaven forbid they were like she did it on purpose, purpose right. right like it's I like, took no. this phone and I threw I it against never. the wall it's my last day I'm out people it was just wow. uh, so all of that to say is that after that, because of the way I did leave, I didn't, you know, we were in the middle of a global pand pandemic, my office shut down, I didn't really have closure with people at work at all. I didn't say goodbye. So it wasn't super emotional, I guess, except for the fact that I didn't get to say goodbye. Like, yeah. I wasn't at work hugging people goodbye and leaving with my box of stuff. You know, I'm like, oh, that's I miss you. Like, it, it yeah, was that's hard, though. Weird. But was it hard for you? Or were you like, that? hey, it, it is what it is? I think it was better. Yeah. For me. Because I had been there so long. And I, even though I knew I was making the right decision to leave for me, and I felt like such a relief after I did tell my boss that I wanted to leave. And I think the way it ended, it was better that I didn't have to. I didn't have to face people. I don't know. Is that like, I'm so no, weird. I, no, I, 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 it makes sense. I mean, I think either way would have been, would have been challenging, but it makes it a little more uh, disconnected, I think. Yeah. And maybe that's what, you, you know, sometimes I you think just that's need what that. I did that. Yes. Yeah. So, so I did feel a little bit lost for, for a little while. I'm like, oh, I, I need to check my phone. I need to check emails. I need to do this. I need to do that. Like you're on that hamster wheel still for a little while until you sort of slow it down and you go, okay, I, today I don't have to do 18 things. 
Yeah, I can do two things, but I have to learn to be okay with doing the two things and not beating myself up about not doing the 18 things. Yeah. Which is really what I wanted. Yeah. I didn't want to feel like I was always going, going, going. And But now, do you have 18 things to do a day or do you have five things to do a day? I have five. Yeah. And that feels good, right? It does. It feels really, really good. Now, I know that I need to be looking for something else to do. I need to be gainfully employed again. I understand that. But I needed to take a breath and and, and be comfortable in that space also. And being type A is very hard to just say, I'm not, I'm going to stop. Yeah. I'm going to do true all the million things. So my purpose right now in life is to just take the day by day. And what my next purpose is, I don't know, but I'm hoping that I, I come to it organically without forcing it. Like I want to be just more aware of things instead of just going on in life. Like, like, like kind of how I was a little bit in my job, like, Oh, well, this is working. This is do this is fine. This is fine. This is fine until boom, it's not. Yeah. Like I want to be more purposeful. Or like me. That's what I'm Yeah, I'll take that job. Oh, you, ah. I don't like this job. Maybe I'll take that job, right? No purpose. Just but at doing least you took chances. You took chances. Are they? Are they? they yeah, are. I, mean, I think that's amazing. You took chances where I took the, I feel like sometimes I took the cowardly way. I was like, no, I'm just going to stay here because I'm afraid to take a chance. I'm afraid. Yeah, well, it's, you know, the golden handcuffs are a real thing. And I think our our egos, our egos love yes. it. Our egos are like, oh, we're, we have so much purpose here. I think it's much more difficult to get to, to feel um, successful in being a wife and a mom. That's not something where you wake up today and go, God, it was a great success yesterday. Yeah. It's this 30-year thing that most times you wake up going, I think I suck at this, but I got to do it again today. And nobody's telling me I'm doing a good job and nobody's going to tell me I'm doing a good job. So God, I hope I'm not screwing everything up. up. But every once in a while, there's this interaction where you go, I'm definitely screwing this up. (laughs) I definitely suck at this. I was much better in my career. And maybe that's not true of everybody, but I'm much better in a corporate setting than I am in a one-on-one relational setting with people that I love dearly for whatever reason. Why is that? I don't know. But when you feel such deep emotions for people, it's much more difficult to communicate effectively, much more difficult to relate effectively. And the stakes, I always tell people, the stakes are so high. These are the most important people in your life. And when you screw up there, Oh man, it is so much worse than any type any of other? mistake you've made in your business career. You are a hundred percent right. It's it's rough. <laughs> so, anyways, but all right. Well, I mean, I think I thought you were going to retire, but you're telling me you're not. I was like, she's well, retiring at forty-seven. I it's so wish. impressive. Oh my gosh, no! Because just like your husband, my husband's like, gotta go out there, gotta get get that job that makes you make money, you make money. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, you, you still yeah. got bills and, to pay at the end of the day, people. <laughs> and the common theme is your husband's self-employed, my husband's self-employed. self-employed. They both own their own businesses. Own company. It's so weird. It is so weird that they would end up there. And so I don't know about you, but I feel a responsibility to still be employed and making money, which yes. I'm not making money. I'm making chump change, but it's still something. Yes. 
And I don't know that I could not contribute in a financial way. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that no, I'm not that person. Yeah, that I don't think person. I am. I feel like I need to support him in that way. And, and I'm really not, but it's something. It's some, Thanks. I guess, commitment that I've said, I'm, I'm going to keep working so that I can help you. Right. I right. guess. Agreed. I think what we're doing now is it's like, I need to focus on personal development and I am going to get a job and those two need to be somewhat related Related, and involved, right? Yeah. And so that's, I kind of think what our new chapter is going to look like is uh, what job can I do while I still am able to develop in, in this, in this personal way that is, this is who I am and these are the things I love and this is how I feed my soul. And I want to do more of that stuff and have that balance. So I think we've both, kind of gotten to that place and and still that's our goal out there in the future and we'll reach it eventually we'll get there we'll get there thanks for listening and spending time with us today feel free to reach out to us on social media or visit our website at anchor.fm forward slash life takes shape to ask questions or leave comments Please also take a minute to leave a review for this podcast if you enjoyed it. If not, don't say anything. Oh my goodness, no. We totally welcome comments to help our podcast continually take shape.